Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. The headline of one suburban newspaper is talking about essentially inequity. But there aren't enough LGBTQ plus programs that are inclusive for kids, trans kids, LGBTQ kids. Let's take a look beyond the headlines of what's going on, because that's not the issue. We have a 15-year-old kid in custody at a juvenile facility, and you think about what could have happened, and thank God what did not happen. By the grace of God and by the hard work of our law enforcement, suburban police in Bucks County, as well as a few good kids who did the right thing. This is so important. It's why I talk to my kids all the time about this this kind of story that, in my opinion, humbly, I'm going to say this, it's being buried in the news. I mean, this could have been tragic. A 15-year-old kid from suburban Bucks County under arrest in custody after, according to police, sent messages on social media threatening to, quote, shoot up Central Bucks High School West. So Central Bucks Regional Police saying that this boy, who is, they confirm, a CB West student, sent this message and sent at least one of these messages to a fellow student through Snapchat. And then he sent another student some videos on TikTok, which depicted other mass shootings. Now, keep in mind the timing of all of this. So authorities get the call, and this is right amid the time that the Parkland shooting Florida verdict is coming down, where the the shooter, the confessed shooter in that case in Florida, did not get the death penalty. And that was making national news. And so, according to police, this 15-year-old gave one of the students, at least one of the students, a, quote, organized plan of the attack that he was that he was intending to carry out. They've also confirmed that he did have access to multiple firearms from at home. Okay. So they're not his in, in quote unquote, but maybe to the family's firearms that he had, if they're locked up, he had access to the key, etc., so that he would have had access 
to multiple firearms, reportedly some of them semi-automatic firearms, but I don't have those details as of yet. Here's what is shocking and what is extremely disturbing, among other things, to so many parents I've been talking to, that this teenager was recently released from juvenile probation for a similar allegation last year, according to authorities. So here's a kid when he's 14, okay, he threatens to shoot up the school and and wreak, you know, havoc in his community and fantasizing about this. And now he returns to school and he's off probation. And the question a lot of parents are saying is, wait a minute, when at what point do we as parents have a right to know about this? Also, if you're a teacher in that school, if you're the principal, do all of you have access to this information? Now, we can't release the, the uh, this is a juvenile, so in the juvenile system, as you well know, the names of underage children, quote unquote, are not released. And so certainly kids know, the kids know who this is, and a lot of the parents know who this is, but I, I can't release that information because why? He's a juvie. But this is the second time in as many school years that this kid has been taken into custody and gone into a juvenile facility and and gone and that right now he's in a in the county in Bucks County's juvenile detention center. So my question to you at, at what point do do the rights of this kid supersede the rights of of those who could be in harm's way? If I'm a parent in that school, I want this information and of course the parents are going to find that out. But if I'm a parent in this school, let me just ask you a question. Am I worried about the the headline in at least one of the local papers about LGBTQ rights for kids in Bucks County? Or am I concerned about, you know, ultimately your safety and the fact that you have some kids who are allegedly ticking time bombs? I mean, that that's the word I get from my sources. But we... We put these kids right back into the same school, into the same environment, and nobody knows about it? That is crazy. 855-839-1210. Hi, I'm Dawn Stensland. You can find me on Twitter, at Dawn Stensland. Kudos to police, parents, and namely those two students who did the right thing. Those two students who immediately told their parents, who immediately called police, kudos to the to the law enforcement there in Bucks County, who immediately went into action to make sure that the way this is being reported right now is that it was perhaps a near miss, crisis, tragedy averted. But how close did we come? I think that's what's terrifying as I talked to parents over the weekend about this. So yes, we're told by authorities that school is back to normal, that there's a heightened security presence at the school to monitor this situation more closely. We know there are copycat crimes. We know that, and this is something that I think in the media we, we grapple with. 
For example, bomb threats. There are bomb threats every single day at City Hall, in D.C., etc. We are always asked in the media, please don't report these because you, you encourage, you bring on those copycats, those people who are, maybe they're suffering with some kind of, you know, obviously the mental health issues perhaps, and they kind of get off on this, on the coverage. Bomb threats, one. School shootings, two. Suicides, three. Now, we've, we've begun to loosen up on that and talk about in the proper context, talk about all the suicides and, and self-harm issues which are happening. But this situation is, is frightening to me. And I, I simply ask you, you know, at what point do we have the right to know? And if your child or grandchild is in a school, any school, and there has been a, a threat like this one that's not a hoax, that police take it seriously and feel like this kid was, was planning this to the point that they, they were going to carry it out, do you want to see that person facing more serious charges, criminal char- charges, and being disallowed from the school? Now, in the private system, I will tell you the difference is that the private school oftentimes will say, no, 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 you're not allowed back in our school. That they, because it's a private school, they have some autonomy on this one. They can review it case by case. But in general, if this happens in a private school, that kid is not coming back to that school. In the public schools, it's different. I have a problem with the fact that we're so worried about protecting, in air quotes, the rights of the accused. And this is, a, this is the second time in two school years. And that concerns me as well. So we'll, we'll continue to follow it. But I want to bring this, I want to put this in, in perspective for you. I asked Anthony to pull this story that aired. You, I doubt you saw it because it aired over the weekend on Fox 29, my alma mater. And this is a a story of a football team for the first time in weeks returning to the field, paying tribute. This is Roxborough, and this is a a place that, you know, you don't see these shootings. But this is, uh, in essence, it it was a gang-fueled shooting where innocent kids who were stepping off the field, the, the majority of the kids that were, you know, the, the, the kids or the football players were not the intended target. Certainly the child, the 14-year-old boy who was shot and killed in Roxborough, was not the intended target. His family now grieves him. But listen in to this report as Friday night football happened, usually so joyous, and this in the context of Philadelphia erupting in, in positive energy with our, with our fills now in the playoffs and Eagles, you know, looking forward to then Sunday, looking forward to that. But these these kids Friday night returned to the field and wanted to pay tribute and still coping with the tragedy that has struck them in such a close way into their hearts. Listen into this Fox 29 News report. 
Good evening, John. What police announced a warrant. 15-year-old Troy Fletcher, the fourth person charged in connection to the murder of Roxborough football player Nicholas Elizalde. Police are still searching for 16-year-old Dayron Bernie Thorne. A warrant was issued for him last week. Since then, they've arrested 21-year-old Yassine Bivens and 17-year-old Zaheed Jones. Jones was taken into custody yesterday after a search warrant was served on a West Albert Street home. Unusual activity. Roxborough native Roseanne Sullivan says it was important for her to support the Roxborough High School varsity football team Friday as they played their first game since the tragedy. What happened a few weeks ago is absolutely horrible. It's horrible at any high school, but especially here in my own neighborhood. During warm-ups, players tossed a football near the field, their slain teammates' jersey on display in the background. Players and staff also wore t-shirts to honor the Saul High School freshmen. Roxborough fans say they felt good about attending the afternoon game. We just want to get them some support and continue them to play the game that makes these young people happy. I'm grateful for the Philadelphia Police Department being here, you know, encouraging the kids after such a discouragement. Roxborough assistant football coach Mark Skinner briefly thanked the crowd for attending in honor of Nick and his teammates. We hope to be here again next week and we can continue on as we've been doing so far. Yeah, so a lot of... You know, the coaches, the community just packed coming there to, yes, pay tribute to the victim, innocent victim, 14-year-old Nicholas Elizalde, who was killed as the team hung his, his jersey right near the field, playing tribute to him. And then they wore the shirts with his name on the back in that show of unity. And, you know, you love to, to hear from the community thanking police as they've now identified a fourth suspect uh, wanted in that deadly shooting. So all four suspects, they say, have been charged with murder, aggravated assault, and related offenses. So they're still looking for two more. They're looking to identify. But among the suspects, the tragedy here, I mean, they're from twenty-one ages 21 to 16. I know the Philadelphia Inquirer had the story of the 21-year-old who's accused in this. They've now tracked where, remember, that they found the receipt from his from the gun shop where he bought the bullets and that's how they were able to track him as they found a receipt for the bullets in the ammo in the stolen SUV that was how they got their first suspect and now as they get more they'll they'll no doubt turn in the other two that they have four suspects and we have two that remain at large but i will say this as far as the focus of the media it just strikes me that it, it was kind of bizarre to me amid all of the crimes, some 20 shootings that we've had since I last spoke with you um, on Friday morning. And and the Inquirer story was about that the fact that this, uh, you know, repeat offender was allowed to buy bullets. So it was, it's always, I don't know, there seems to be this political motivation behind everything. Oh, he was able, he had a gun. He was able to buy bullets. So what are they looking toward? Well, they're they're looking toward because the the guns are stolen or the guns are on the on the black market, as it were. So now, oh, let's blame the bullets because the bullets were bought from a store. Okay, but that's not all that we could blame, correct? And so I just think that a lot of the reporting lacks the perspective on what's happening. That in the case of the twenty-one-year-old, this was, according to all accounts somebody who was a usual suspect, somebody who should not been, have, 
should not have been out on the streets in the first place. You don't see as much of that coverage. But we're talking about bullets. Not in context. Not in the context of a crime wave that we've never seen before in the history of our great city in Philadelphia. And even some of the reporting, and I always look toward the media coverage, some of the reporting talking about, oh, well, uh, look to the past of Philadelphia when we had high crime. No, no, no. We have never seen it like this. And so what we're seeing and what we're feeling and what we know is really happening is not what is being reported in the local media or the national media. Clearly, it's not just Philadelphia. Major cities across the country, whether you want to look at New York, especially Chicago, Los Angeles, Miami. And it's ironic to me on some of the national shows, you'll see pundits and even some career politicians and they'll say, oh, well, look at the high crime. They're in, in uh, states that are controlled by Republicans. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> Where's the high crime happening? It's happening in cities that have one thing in common, and that is cities who are controlled by Democrats. And so this is why, and let's put this in context, this is why candidates right now do not want to talk about crime, safety, the economy, and I'll air for you some snippets of of even those in the Biden administration being pressed by news outlets that normally lean way left. We've got it all covered for you. This is The Dawn Show. You can find me on Twitter at Dawn Stensland. 855-839-1210 is the number to call. The Dawn Show comes right back. We're talking about crime, not just in Philadelphia, which is skyrocketing, of course, and not just homicide, although the, the tragic number we've reached is 430 people murdered as of midnight. That's just as of midnight overnight. So we don't even know the latest for today, October 17th, but 430 as these numbers keep skyrocketing. But we're also talking about suburban crimes, or in this case, a 15-year-old who was reportedly plotting to, to shoot up his school and murder classmates, that's the word, arrested in a juvenile detention center, and then finding out that, in fact, this kid was in a juvie facility, just got off probation, and continues to have access to firearms. That's the allegation, according to police, Charlie is calling in. Hey, Charlie. Hey, I'm good this I, Monday morning. Good for you. Um, I just wanted to say, you say there's a correlation between these cities and the uh, Democrats and this and all. It's also the, the, the Black Lives Matter movement. When we had all these riots and all, it's like the, the, the cops had to take a hands-off attitude or they'd be chastised and it, 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 like you had these kids attack and like destroy a Wawa, nothing happens to them. Right. When when, when we were little, they 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 arrested you when you shoplifted, and your parents had to come get you. At least there was some, you know, there was some penalty for doing what you did. Yes. I mean, if I was the manager at Wawa, I would have stood on a stool or a chair and let let, let the sprinkler system go off. <laughs> at least wet the kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just, you know, and nobody will blame, like, Black Lives Matter. How much are they culpable of what's going on today? You know what I mean? They ran away with millions of dollars or maybe billions. I don't know. 
But, yeah. the, you know, it, it's it's just not like something that happened because there's bad juju or, or evil spirits or something. It's like uh, Frank Rizzo used to say, it's not the schools, it's the crumbs that are in the schools or in the neighborhoods. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it really is. I mean, there's no, like, personal responsibility for anything either, you know? Yeah, and Charlie, to, to your point, I mean, I think you're right that it certainly is multifaceted. And for Philadelphia police, and not just Philadelphia police, law enforcement, you know, across the country feels this effect. It is a chilling effect. Yes, I'll say since BLM, but that sparked this defund the police movement now I think a lot of people are realizing that was a huge mistake, and there's a backlash even by by who? African-American leaders and residents here in Philadelphia and across the country are saying, no, 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 we don't want to defund the police. They want to get rid of, of course, uh, bad apples, if you will. But I think that, that ultimately it is this feeling that um, police just don't feel that the city or even their own commissioner has their back. And we've seen this with D.A. Krasner time and time again, you know, filing charges, putting law enforcement who were during active duty convicted of murder charges and even even accused as they were indicted, even accused of that the fact that their own firearm, which is issued by the city of Philadelphia, that that firearm is a, a weapon of crime. And we've never yeah. seen that in, in our history. I mean, you brought up, you know, the Rizzo days. But think about how far we've come. And so think about you're a Philadelphia police officer, and we have unprecedented crime. It's the wild, wild west. You have officers being attacked, injured. And what's what's really happening? Who has their back when, in fact, you could you could be charged, you could go through a trial of many years, even if the union backs you, Think about the hell you go through, and we've seen these cases. Then they're thrown out of court, but still your life is ruined. That's yeah. it. Your life and your career, the whole thing, and you've been through, what, five years of hell where you lose everything? And yeah, then I wouldn't want my kid to be a cop. And that's that's just it. And, and so now we see the estimates that we're 1,500, 1,600 down. If you do the math with all the people who who are – retiring in droves and a lot of them either retiring and just going into completely other careers or leaving the city of Philadelphia and going to a suburban district. So now we're losing experienced individuals who are awesome crime fighters, you know, and we're losing those because they just, they can't even believe what they're seeing. And I can't believe well, them. Ultimately we're going to wind up like Trenton or Newark or somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you look, I mean, if things don't change, you know, with these businesses, how can you be in a business when you, 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 there's no laws against shoplifting and stuff? Anymore? Right. I mean, come on. How can you stay in business? Right. It's a free-for-all. And, it is. And yet nobody – so the only ones talking about this, and that's really what I see, is that you, you see city officials, they're holding these news conferences, sometimes still over Zoom, which is unbelievable, and they're speaking out and they're talking about – you know, equity. And that's why it's so out of touch. And I think, I really think that the next mayoral election, and we have a whole slew of people running for, for mayor because obviously Jim Kenny's, well, some say he's already I hear, retired. I hear, I hear this word <laughs> equity. 
I hear this this term equity. My brother came out from Vietnam in like '68, I guess it was. He's over there early, and he had a job, and he was laid off from it because they had to hire blacks under the uh, Great Society with Lyndon Johnson or something. That's how long they've had these laws to to, to promote minority hiring since the '60s. I mean, I don't know. It's discouraging, oh, Charlie. Good. Thanks for your call. I appreciate you for sure. Before we go, I I just want to give you kind of a lighthearted story about a, a whale of a tale that a boy and his dad, and this is uh, off the Jersey Shore, I believe it's uh, Monmouth County technically, but they go out, they're fishing. This went viral, and it's it's really an unbelievable story, and the video is incredible. Let's just listen into this, and he posted this on social media, this close encounter with a huge humpback whale. Okay, the language, you know, I'm sure that he, he probably, you know, once he posted, he's like, oh, sorry, mom, this is a teenager with his dad. <laughs> well, and I mean, for those that can't see, it is, it, I mean, it literally it's almost, unbelievable. it almost smashes their boat. Yeah. I mean, he's gigantic, the whale. Huge. So it's a, a breaching whale just shocks this you know, father and son, and it, it has gone viral. They're fishing just off the Jersey Shore. And the thing, it looks like it's going to, I don't know, swallow the boat or come up on the boat. But, you know, it's an unbelievable video if you haven't seen it. So son and father, and I guess they might originally be from Philadelphia, but it was this gorgeous week last week for fishing. I don't know. You know, the whale is like, uh, well, you should know how surprised I was. You know, I didn't. But it's, it's crazy to get this close of a shot, you know, and, and they're, they are pretty lucky. I don't think the whale in any way intended to hurt them. Maybe it was just messing with them. I don't really know. But it's just a crazy, crazy video. So you got to check it out. Going viral. But everybody's okay, and they've got a whale of a tale to tell for sure. You know, now that the school year is well underway, it's a great time to get you and your family ready for the fall season, ready for winter in, in truth. My friends from the Piazza Auto Group, they've always they've served the, the area Oh, my goodness. Nearly 60 years now. Started out with that one dealership. And now, after nearly 60 years in the community, uh, my goodness, how many local dealerships across the region, not just Pennsylvania, but also Delaware, they've served the automotive needs of our region. Yeah, nearly 60 years now. They're going to help you find the right vehicle, no matter if you're leasing, financing, or purchasing, whether it's a new or certified pre-owned model, 14 brands, including Honda, Acura, Mazda, Hyundai, Volkswagen, 25 area locations. They're sure to have a dealership near you. Just check them out online, piazzaautogroup.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Y-A-Z-Z-A, YazaAutoGroup.com. Tell them to all sent you. 855-839-1210. If you want to sound off on what's happening, whether it's the bad news, the good news, we've got it all covered for you here on The Dawn Show. I'm Dawn Stensland, mentee. So we have Joe in Bucks County he wants to talk about the, the threat by a teenager who's locked up in a juvenile facility. Hi, Joe. Good morning. Hello, Dawn. By the way, I very much enjoy your program, very much. Thank you. Listen, I, I'm older, right? I'm in my 60s. So my kids are grown and gone, et cetera. And I spent a lot, a lot of years in the scouting programs as a leader and as a coach, you know, different ball teams and everything. And I can see, compared to 20, 25 years ago to today, a difference in the young men, the young guys, 12, 15, 13, 16. And it's troublesome because they seem to be adrift, a lot of them. And you get into the situation like this young fella who's already been accused of threatening the school and was on probation, and then they put him back in the school. And my question is, where does the rights of the other 3,000 students become superseded by the rights of one child to come back to school and possibly be a threat, which he has turned out to be again. Why are the innocents, why are the other kids' rights not accounted for? And I see the same thing happening in the society in the whole. Uh, let's say Halloween, for instance. You hear these stories on the news of various schools and various programs where we're not going to have Halloween because there's a couple kids that are upset. What about the other 500,000 kids that aren't upset? Exactly. Why did society slip to where the rights of the minority, and this is true in all your complexities of society, be it gender identification, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, slip to where those rights supersede the rights of the majority? It's, you know, you take gun control, 320 million people in this country and somebody shoots up a school and they want to ban guns. But what about the 300 and, you know, 19, whatever the number is, one less 320 million that didn't do this? Where, why did this happen in our society? This is, this is a primary interest of me. I don't understand. Exactly. Uh, you're, Joe, you're right on the money. Thanks for calling, Joe. I appreciate you. And that's just it in the situation. There are some cases in which I have a, a you know, a girlfriend in a different state, she and her husband, great parents. She's, in fact, an educator. And their son, at one point in his senior year, had had said something to the effect of, hey, something big's going to go down Friday night. Well, he, was, he wasn't saying anything negative. He was saying that they were going to, you know, have a celebration party after the game, whatever. But authorities in that case were so strict that they, you know, they they um they didn't expel him but they suspended him 10 days 
and the whole thing. And he didn't even, he just said, something's going to go, something crazy is going to go down. That was it. And the kid had no history, nothing. So we see this over and over where in some cases you, you go to one extreme where kids don't have freedom of speech on social media and they're not even making a viable threat. In other cases, such as this one happening, and this is the most recent one in Bucks County, where you have a kid who was arrested and police felt that there was a credible threat a year ago, went into the juvenile detention system, now on probation, just off probation, and boom, what happens? Here it is again. And so the fear that many parents are telling me, especially in Bucks County in this particular school district, is, okay, now the kid has, has learned the lesson. The, the first time it happened, 13, 14, now 15. So the next time, the next time will the kid not post it on social media? And so the next time we won't have a warning? I mean, at what point do they say, no, this kid is not allowed back in this school. This kid can finish the high school education from a juvenile facility or whatever and receive the care that they need. So I'm all for rehabilitation. And if there's a mental health issue, and we know that the mental health issues with kids obviously are through the roof after COVID and the shutdowns and, and, and all of that, we, you know, I get that. And so I understand that there are some some complexities with regard to meeting the needs of some kid who clearly needs help. But I think that we cannot say, oh, this, well, this child needs help and he needs to get back to school. And as Joe just appropriately said, we then put this one kid who's now been arrested and in a detention center, this is the second time, and according to police, had a plan had the plan all laid out. To me, I think the best thing that police can do, reveal the plan. Reveal the plan in its detail. Let the community know and see and see the, the the reason they don't, I can tell you. It's not they're not trying to lack transparency. The problem is we are all even in the media, we're told, "Oh, no, 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 you're encouraging the copycats." And so it's this double-edged sword. But I think at some point what is what is the right to know? And so could they then at least brief school officials so that they can make a determination about what's happening within the school? And, and that's where, I, where my focus is, to protect the other kids who have no idea. They have no idea now, really, what level this, this one alleged offender is where where he is in his life. And so all the school knew was some kids might have known, oh yeah, well, you know, Johnny is back in school. He was in some kind of juvie trouble. But, you know, if you're a teacher in that class, let's say, you're a teacher's aide, you're a janitor, you're a fellow student, you don't think you have some right to know the details of this kid's alleged plan that was apparently all written out. There's tangible evidence of it. Well, let's know what it is. And even if you don't want the media to report that, those details, because you don't want to, I don't know, empower or embolden some copycat, some other mentally sick kid, at the very least, have a briefing with those school officials, with the school nurse, 
and and let them understand the depth of the situation and the depth and the reality of this threat and the tangible nature of a plan. So this is not some hoax. This is not, oh, some kid called something in because it was a beautiful day and they wanted the day off. That's not what this is. And so and so all this does is it, it just pits then the parents against the school when in fact they should be working together to keep everybody safe. In this regard, right now at this moment, while this kid is still in a juvenile facility, the school officials, the parents, the kids who told and did the right thing, thank God, all the law enforcement are getting high praise. So I hope that this tone right now where everybody's on the same page and, and they're informing everyone and they're being transparent with regards to what's happening. I hope this continues. But it, it, it is also, it's, it's a sin, as I say, that the headline in at least one of the local you know, Bucks County papers is all about LGBTQ and inclusion and all. This has nothing to do with that issue. But it's because, of course, in the media, what are they focused on? They're focused on what happens in less than three weeks. They're focused on an election. So they're not going to talk about common sense. They're not going to talk about safety, crime, or the economy, for that matter. I do want to do this story uh, involving a Pennsylvania fisherman. I told you about this on Friday, and we didn't have the time to go into this. Do I have time to air the story? All right, let's listen in. This is a real controversy. A Pennsylvania fisherman is among two fishermen charged. And at first I thought, oh, come on, you're charging fishermen with a felony? But it's actually a big deal because, as you know, when you're in a competition, any competition, these awards are you know, potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars. So listen in. This is the latest. They were busted, indicted in Ohio But this could now include some fishing contests that are now being looked at in our neck of the woods in Pennsylvania. Listen in. We got weights and fish. Get the out of here. Get the out of here. So let me just stop it so I can set this up because there are a lot of bleeps. So these are now other fishermen and fisherwomen. I don't know. Do we... Is it politically incorrect for me to say fisherman? Fisher person, maybe, yeah. <laughs> Fish, FPs, fisher persons. They're reacting to word of these charges, and, and so they're, they're shouting you know, outside the courthouse and so on. So they're, they're very angry at two alleged, I have to say alleged, cheaters. So it's more than just like grandpa going, yeah, back in 1965, <laughs> I caught this walleye. No, these guys are, you know, these are serious competitions. This is big bucks. Okay, let's resume, Anthony. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to really, the whole clip, they're just screaming at this guy, cursing him out, like totally just reaming him out. And there's like a group of 30 to 40 people just standing around and they're cutting the fish open. And inside of the fish, there were uh, just ball weights, just ball weights. So it was like, I think there were like five in each fish. Yes. They were pretty heavily filled. uh, So. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's so the the story came out of Cleveland, um, and I to, I did tell you a little bit about it Friday. I thought we had more sound than that, but 
Uh, it's a grand jury. They're like all cursing, you know. It's yeah, hard. right. <laughs> it's hard to get it all. It's a grand jury indicting these two walleye fishermen snagged in this cheating scandal after weights were discovered stuffed inside their five winning fish. And this did happen in Cleveland, Ohio. But as I say, one of the guys, the 35-year-old guy, he's from Pennsylvania, Chase Kaminsky from Pennsylvania. They face felony charges of cheating, attempted grand theft, possessing criminal tools. They're charged with unlawful ownership of wild animals, which is a first-degree misdemeanor. That's the least of their problems. But, you know, the judge in the case and the prosecutor saying they take these crimes very seriously. They will be arraigned later this month, October 26th. But the indictment comes one day after authorities in Pennsylvania seized Kaminsky's Ranger Bass boat and his trailer as part of the investigation. So we have Pennsylvania authorities now working together with Ohio authorities. Why? Because this was a Lake Erie Walleye Trail Championship where the events director discovered these lead weights that had been stuffed inside the bellies of the fish during the big weigh-in in Cleveland there. So the search warrant application was from uh, Mercer County, Pennsylvania, shows that five fish indeed had eight 12-ounce lead weights. So this pair is also accused, they didn't just use weights, they used fish fillets. I don't know if they were like those fish fillets like you buy and they're breaded. I'm not sure of that, but prosecutors say it all resulted in ownership, you know, in, in winning these huge angler prizes. And these are worth, well... They're saying that they likely pocketed more than $200,000 in cash and boats, two hundred grand in cash and boats that were given away as prizes during all of these competitions. So now they're working and they're looking at all of the competitions that these guys were in. And if you look online, it has gone viral because all these fishermen from across the region are saying, hey, you know, we thought something was shady in our competition calling authorities. So now the list is being compiled. So we'll continue to follow it. It sounds silly, you know, a fishtail, but in fact, these are felony charges and it looks like the charges are stacking up as the dollar amounts go up and up with hundreds of dollars in cash, prize money, and things like boats that were given away in all of these competitions. So we'll continue to follow it. This is the Dawn Show. We'll continue right after this. So we did have so many kids marching over the weekend, calling it the the Million Kid March to stand up against all the violence. And this has, you know, well, since the weekend, at least uh, at least 20 shootings since the last time we spoke on Friday. So this is NBC 10 reporting on this as young people coming together. We don't cover these enough, all of the rallies. They happen all the time. Communities rallying. I know in Roxborough when that shooting happened. So communities do come out and do come together. There are block meetings and block parties. We don't cover it as much as we should, but they're happening. And people are protesting. It's just not covered as much. Why isn't it covered? It's not covered as much, especially right before an election, because it brings forth the point That in cities like Philadelphia, the push was to defund the police. And now we have all of this crime running rampant in our city with the murder rates skyrocketing. But not just that, the carjackings, the burglaries, 
the smash and grabs. And so that's why we don't see this as much. But this one, good for NBC10 for covering it. Listen in. This is NBC10 covering the Million March Kids. In a few days, this neighborhood in North Philadelphia will be filled with kids. Rowena Falk met us at Broad and Diamond. It's her idea to make a statement to the city with a million kid march. I always think of the Martin Luther King march. Numbers speak volumes. And we need to scream out, holler out to these politicians and the mayor. We need help. All the people that are being funded, we don't see it coming to fruition. The city has seen more kids shot this year than all of last year. According to police, as of October 11th, there have been 188 children who have suffered a gunshot wound in 2022. There were 168 in all of 2021 and 139 in 2020. Falk sees the daily scenes of shootings involving young kids and believes it's time to reach them before they handle a gun. These children want to be old one day. They're not making it to be old anymore. When we were little, we jumped rope. They can't jump rope. They can't go outside and play ball on the court or on the tree. They can't do none of that. As for the march, it will go from Temple's campus to 15th and JFK. There, kids will have the chance to meet and talk with mental health counselors and other organizations. We got drug abuse. Parents need help with, you know, just life in general. And it trickles down to the children. Falk is hoping for a loud message Saturday morning, all coming from the city's kids. Aaron Baskerville, NBC 10 News. Yeah, and so what I love about this story is just this is this is what's really happening. Parents are outraged by this, but parents want to do something positive. Parents out here saying, kids, let's come out here, let's rally, and let's talk about the violence that's not acceptable and urge our city leaders to do something. Now, this brings us to Mayor Jim Kenney. So right around the corner in the 11 a.m. hour, you'll hear from, you know, what Mayor Kenney blames because he's always blaming somebody else as he's dreaming of retirement. And, and he, ha- he slipped one time and said, oh, how hard it's been on him. He can't wait. Can't wait to not be mayor. You know, I just think and I, and I see him. I've talked about this. When I see him, he's either reading or he just appears to be so apathetic to not care, to not even feel what we're going through. And that's, it, it, to me as a city resident, it's crushing. And I love to hear from people in the community and, you know, Representative Almond Brown, you know, here's a, a Democrat, so this is not a, a partisan issue here, and that's just it. The crime and the crime fighting should not be partisan, but it, it has become that. And so I feel like these city leaders, Krasner and Kenny, they don't want to address the crime with something like, you know, National Guard or bringing in the feds or doing something, anything to just keep us safe, but especially our kids safe as they're going to school, for example, or workers. Oh, you won't believe what happened in Philadelphia over the weekend. It's just it's reaching new heights. That's for sure. But we're going to continue with all of it right around the corner, right here on The Dawn Show. Be 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 